Hello, you're watching the Le Nobel Sprite video series on the theology of the body. This, uh, this video is dedicated to audience 37. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossotter. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. So in this audience, we wrap up our discussion of the prophetic tradition. So in audience 35, we began analyzing the content of the sixth commandment, and that began with the legislative tradition of the Old Testament. And then in audience 36, we transitioned to the prophetic tradition. And now we are going to finish discussing the prophetic tradition in this audience. So the prophetic tradition continued. The We know that the just a cursory reading of the Old Testament, but we know that the prophets denounced Israel's abandonment of God, and they compared this abandonment with adultery. What happened was the Israelites went after other gods other than the one true God, and this act of idolatry, it was analogously compared with a unfaithful bride. And some themes in Hosea, one of the prophets, it is the following. We have um, Israel's betrayal of God. That's like a betrayal of marriage. Israel acts as a adulteress and a prostitute. Israel is a, un she's the unfaithful bride. And God is the bridegroom who does not stop looking for his bride and calls for the conversion of the bride. And this last point really reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son in the Gospel of Luke. So there's an interesting parallel there. And one fun fact, or I should say one very interesting fact about the prophet Hosea, is that he had... He was commanded by God to take a prostitute as a wife to as a sign of what Israel was doing to God. So Hosea, in a sense, played out kind of the role of God being faithful to this woman who was betraying him because she was literally a prostitute. But that's kind of an interesting kind of parallel that we see in Hosea's book um Guillermo do you have yes. anything else you'd like to add on to this no I, I don't no okay. I don't would you like to read the quote then on, on the next slide here yes awesome <clears throat> um, a reading from the book of Ezekiel like a repugnant object, you were thrown out into the open field on the day you were born. I passed near you while you were flailing about in your blood, and I said to you, Live in your blood and grow up like a plant of the field. You grew up and became tall and arrived at the flower of youth. Your breasts blossom and you reach puberty, but you were naked and bare. I passed near you again and looked on you and covered your nakedness. I swore a covenant with you, says the Lord God, and you became mine. I put a ring on your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. 
You were adorned with gold and silver, while your clothing was of fine linen-rich fabric and embroidered cloth. Your fame spread among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect due to the glory I placed in you. But you, infatuated with your beauty and profiting from your fame, played the whore and lavished your favors on any passerby. How degraded is your heart, says the Lord God, that you did all these things, the deeds of a, sh of a shameless whore. Building your high place in every square, you were not like a prostitute in search of payment, but like an adulterous wife who, instead of her husband, receives strangers. The word of the Lord. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So in the previous audience, Hosea and Ezekiel were both mentioned as prophets. And here in this audience, we are given this rather extensive quote from Ezekiel 16. And it gives us an idea of the problem and how the, these prophets put that problem into words. Um, just some, something we can note here is kind of an emphasis on the word covenant, right? Yeah. Didn't do a good job underlining that, but we could see. God says, I swore a covenant with you, and this you is, of course, Israel. So a key concept that we will be coming back to is this concept of covenant, which we've already been seeing within our analyses, because we haven't really talked about this, the the original communion of persons of the first man first woman but it is a marriage and a sacramental marriage it's a covenant and these are themes that are forthcoming in the theology of the body but we see this um analogy with marriage at play here because you have the woman israel the young bride whom god swears a covenant to and then she goes off and becomes a whore because of her fame and everything, all the riches that God gave her. Oh, uh, Guillermo, did you have anything you'd like to add about this ver or this text here? I don't. I will just stress uh, your emphasis on the uh, concept of covenant. Okay. All right, we'll move on then. Mm -hmm. So, adultery and idolatry. So, as we've mentioned, there's this analogy between idolatry and adultery within the prophetic tradition. And the point of likeness here is the covenant of love. The, the covenant between God and Israel is a, a covenant of love which Israel broke. And this is just like the covenant between the man and the wife. There's a likeness here where the man and wife have this relationship of love and adultery breaks that relationship. Now, so we can also note that God's love for Israel leads to the establishment of a covenant with Israel by which God becomes both husband and bridegroom 
And throughout the history of Israel, God is betrayed many, many times. And these are all compared as adultery. So it's not like Israel does this once, but many, many times. She appears as unrepentant because throughout history, she keeps rejecting the prophets up to the day of Christ when the Jews crucify their bridegroom. And these are all actions are the choices of Israel as a bride. So there's a element of willfulness here in rejecting God in the pursuit of other gods and rejecting the bridegroom himself. And now we can consider the sinfulness of adultery. So adultery is a sin because it is the breaking of the covenant between man and woman in marriage. And the, le the legalization of polygamy in the Old Testament does not change this moral fact. And so, as we saw in the prophetic tradition, since polygamy and idolatry go hand in hand, only monogamy is the correct analogy for monotheism in terms of covenant. And so covenant, we can keep in mind that it signifies a particular faithfulness and trust in God. And so adultery is the antithesis of the relationship between man and woman as husband and wife. Adultery is opposed to marriage. Within marriage, the man and woman have a, the conjugal union becomes a right of the husband and wife. This is a right that is exclusive to the husband and the wife. And it, the conjugal union is also a sign of the, this communion of persons. And adultery violates both this right and falsifies this sign. Do yes. you have anything you'd like to add? Yes, I do. I, I just thought it was, uh, it connects the dots really well when we compare adultery with idolatry. When you get these two things, these two things go hand in hand. When one happens, the other one is inevitable. Um, of course, they're distinct in and of themselves, but they're so related in a way that the two words that come to my mind that I would like to uh, connect the dots with are the terms of violation and distortion. When so, when we get um, idolatry, idolatry, yes, yes, idolatry, that would be a violation of our relationship with um, uh, God. That causes a distortion of, I'll just, the way that's coming to my mind off the top of my head is it's distorting um, our experience of who we are. And of course, violation and distortion, they're two distinct things in and of themselves. But when one happens, the other one is inevitable. 
analogous with idolatry and adultery. Yeah, thank you, Guillermo. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I like that language of distortion and just inter and emphasizing the fact that this is a sin defined in terms of re relation. Yeah. Idolatry and adultery are sins because of what they do to the relationship between man and God and between husband and wife that that is a point that we're going to be coming back to again and again mm -hmm. just how what i guess essentially what is it that is proper to this relationship between man and woman as husband and wife and then yeah what uh, what attacks that relationship what it what constitutes as an assault upon it what damages mm -hmm. it and those things that have these negative consequences are sins so sin of the body adultery is a sin of the body it is a moral evil because it is antithetical to the moral good of conjugal faithfulness Conjugal faithfulness can only be realized in the spousal relationship between one man and one, one woman as husband and wife. This relationship is proper to spousal love, and this communion of persons has normative content that gives marriage as a covenant its essential meaning. So marriage is not marriage if you violate this these i guess we could say the essence of what marriage is and that is something we will be getting into in the future is what exactly is marriage we've been talking about it yes in terms of community of persons a little bit in terms of sacrament but there are still some more details we need to flesh out at the very least we can see now that it belongs to the essence of marriage, the indissolubility and monogamy, one man and one woman. These are all fundamental components that constitutes as marriage. Now, adultery is a sin because it is antithetical to the marital covenant. Adultery is the forming of a one flesh union between a man and a woman who are not married to each other. It is a adultery is a sin of the body that is defined in reference to the relationship between the two persons. And so the moral status here depends upon whether the relationship that makes this conjugal union a true or a false one and whether the conjugal union has the character of a truthful sign. And these are, of course, themes that JP2 will be developing in later audiences, particularly what is the meaning of this character of a truthful sign. And then I guess one, one last thing before we go off on that tangent, adultery is judged to be a moral evil 
precisely because of its of the objective content that makes adultery adultery. Now, JP2 is making this point because there, there are some people who say there are some actions that morally are never evil in of themselves, that a person can will them and have it be good. Whereas within Catholic moral theology, it is consistent with the, with the revelation of God that there are some actions that regardless of what you will, they are objectively evil. And adultery is one of those things that is objectively evil, regardless of what your intentions or circumstances are. And so this is an important point because some of the philosophical sparring partners that JP2 will be going up against is utilitarianism, which, which evaluates moral goodness in terms of what is useful. And we can figure out or we can discern the direction utilitarianism takes us morally given what concupiscence does to the human person. And I'll leave you there with those thoughts. One, one other point I wanted to make here is that the when we talk about the conjugal union and it's having been a truthful sign. Discussions about it as a sign is sacramental language, but which we have talked about before in a previous audience. I forget which one though. And this, um, if we talk about a sacrament for a moment, a sacrament is a visible sign of the invisible reality and so there is this question of how does the conjugal union become a visible sign of this reality that is the marital covenant so the conjugal union has a sacramental element to it and this of course is something that will be developed later um Guillermo, are you still there Yes. Did you have anything you'd like to add? I don't. No? You've been quiet these last couple of videos. All right. We'll just have to find something that really gets you pumped up, huh? You know, a couple of videos ago, I did mention one thing that had come to mind, and it's coming up. Oh, yeah? Uh yes, oh yes, in the next section for sure. Oh, uh, so the next audience. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've been waiting for that. So I've been wondering. Absolutely. Okay. I guess with that, thank you for watching this video. Stick around for another video and we can finally learn what is on Guillermo's mind. If you have been enjoying our content, please subscribe like share comment on our social media we have many social oh, uh, we have many social media platforms including facebook and youtube 
If you have been enjoying our content, please consider making a financial donation. Your financial support goes towards maintaining our website and the purchasing of new resources so that we can continue creating great content for you that you all love. Speaking of great content, we have a lot more content on our website, lanovelspreet.com, where you can read many articles that we have written. All of them are free access for everyone. And we also have a podcast there. Guillermo, do you have any more information about our podcast? Yes. In our other podcast series, we talk about a variety of topics, such as trends in culture and politics, always from a Catholic personalist perspective. Now, we upload our episodes onto buzzsprout.com, and you can find our page through the La Novella Esprit website. And then you can listen to us directly on Buzzsprout itself, or you can use it to locate us in other popular podcasting platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. All right. In case you're wondering just where do I find all the social media, you can just simply go to lenovellespreet.com slash subscribe. All of our social media profiles are there, Our PayPal and Patreon links are there, and all of our websites where we distribute our podcasts. So all those links are there on one page for you to behold. Do you have anything else to add, Guillermo? Yes, I would like to ask our viewers and listeners to please continue uh, to pray for us and for our mission. Yes, thank you. Please continue to pray for us. We are in gratitude for your thoughts and prayers. And with that, I am going to say goodbye. Bye, everyone. God bless.